Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together, to fellowship each other, Father, and to worship you. Father, I ask now that everything done and said today will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom. Father, I pray that your word will go out and it will not return void. And we give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. So a little family was getting ready for school one day, and they had a third grader and a fifth grader. And the third grader was on crutches. He had hurt his ankle. And it was his birthday, and he wanted to take cupcakes to his class. And the mom was trying to talk the fifth grader into helping the third grader, because no way he can walk on the crutches and tote the cupcakes. So the, the mom, the, the fifth grader was adamant, he's not taking the cupcakes. And so the mom found a teaching moment and said, well, what would Jesus do? The little boy paused for just a second and said, hmm, Jesus would heal him where he could tote his own cupcakes. <laughs> That's a rerun too, but anyway. <clears throat> um, little change of pace this morning, and, and this is, you know, we, we, <clears throat> we are a very diverse crowd, right? We have folks who've been Christians for 50 plus, 60 plus, 70 plus years, and folks who haven't been Christians for very long at all, and so sometimes we get into, I get into that middle gooey area that where this is kind of elementary, but it's not, so just bear with me. If, if you already live this out every day, then... Praise God, you're a better example than I am. And what we'll talk about today is being satisfied. Not being complacent, but being satisfied. You know, we push so hard, especially those of us who have grown up in sports or in competitive areas, where it's never enough. You can never win enough. You can never train enough. You can never practice enough. There's never enough. The, the best trophy in the world is the next one. And all the ones that we have already, those mean nothing. It's the next thing, right? It's the press. And, it, and even in business, sometimes we get into a rut that we're, we're so pushing so hard to be the best at this or the best at that or have the next and the newest and the brightest, right? And I think the world calls it keeping up with the Joneses. Well, I'll just tell you, I built their house last year. You can't. It was amazing. It's an unbelievable house. It's incredible. But we, as Christians... We have something most folks don't have. We have God to put our trust in and to be satisfied. And you can be satisfied in God whether you're the poorest person or the richest person or the sickest person or the healthiest person. See, being satisfied in God doesn't have a lot to do with your circumstances that happen around you. In fact, the Bible says that, that God is the only thing that could satisfy us. See, that's the problem. When you get into that rut of you chasing the next trophy or the next job or the next boyfriend or girlfriend or relationship or opportunity, we get so wound up in what's going on around us, we forget that what we have is so precious. See, <clears throat> You can be the poorest, most humble guy in the room and have Christ in a room full of people who don't have Christ. And then I'll ask you what your measuring stick is. Because is it impossible to be poor when Christ is your Savior? And it is impossible to be rich no matter how much money you have or how many things you have or how many properties you have if it's without God. 
The world tries to convince you that it is about the money and it's about the things and it's about the stuff. It is not. It is about your relationship with God. And only your relationship with God will fill that need. That's what people are doing. You know, they, they do all these crazy drugs and they jump off of mountains and jump out of airplanes and all this crazy stuff, right? Now, I can't say anything. I, I bungee jumped in college and it was pretty dumb because it was on the strip in Myrtle Beach. You know, real safe. I'm sure they were testing everything. Not real bright. My kids still want to go in that silly slingshot where it flings you out and that's not a good idea, right? But you chase that adrenaline rush, right? I mean, we are, we are roller coaster folks, right? I mean, when we go somewhere, I'm looking for the baddest roller coaster in the place. In fact, that drives me to go to some of those places, right? And when you go, you're like, all right, I, gotta, I don't care what else we do, but we're riding this, this, and this because you want that adrenaline rush that kicks. And if you only have that adrenaline rush, you're probably pretty miserable, because if you've ever ridden a roller coaster, if it goes well, the adrenaline rush only lasts a few minutes. Now, if it goes poorly, the motion sickness lasts for a couple of hours. It has the opposite effect. I've done both. But in our day-to-day -day life, what should drive us and motivate us is a relationship with God. And that we should be satisfied in what we have and where we are, and what we're doing, right? And, and see, like I said, this goes against all of my competitive nature, right? Because you can never practice enough, or never win enough, or never compete enough. But truthfully, that really doesn't matter. What really matters is that relationship with God. And then we should be satisfied in Him, knowing that no matter what situation we're in, that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. That that relationship is forever. It's not contingent on how we behave or how we talk or how we act. It's not contingent on how our family acts or if what happens on social media, right? That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he doesn't change. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't turn his back on us. If you can sit down and, and, and really... What does satisfied really mean, right? That, that, that you have enough, that it's, that, it's, that it's adequate. But if you can sit down today, any of you that are in this building or watching on TV, and think about what you actually have. What you actually have, a lot of folks are praying for. You got up this morning, you're breathing. That's pretty good. You, you, you can speak. Some of you too much, but most of you can speak, right? You can hear, you can see, you can walk, you have food to eat, you have electricity. Most of y'all have transportation, because I don't think but a few of you made a walk, but the people who walk do have transportation also. I saw them do it. We have beautiful homes with indoor plumbing, right? We have plenty of food. We have friends and family who care for us. There's not a soul in here. If something happened tomorrow, that everybody else in the building wouldn't jump up and come help you. Not a single one. So we are so blessed in what we have. Why are we not satisfied? And the truth is, is the enemy really is the pusher of this, right? Because he does not want you to be grateful and humble and satisfied in God because that's not somebody that he can attack very well, right? 
When you're rooted and grounded in what God's Word says about you and you're satisfied of where you are and who you are in Christ, you're not looking for the next best thing. You're not pressing it to the limits. You're not trying to do something that you shouldn't be doing. You don't have addictions. You don't have stuff, right? Why? Because you base your knowledge and your hope and your guidance on what God says. That, that's what a good Christian looks like. That we're consistent. We're not up and down like the roller coaster. We don't have highs and lows. We do. But in general, if you can sit down for just a minute and reflect on what God has done for you, it's very hard not to be satisfied. The problem is, is a lot of times we won't. <clears throat> Philip and I went on a, a duck hunting trip last week. And we, we did some stuff that, you know, most folks have only ever seen on a video or on TV. Uh, we had a couple rough days and we had a couple fantastic days. And it's real easy for me to when I go on a hunting trip to be dissatisfied. In fact, I'm dissatisfied from when we leave the driveway till I step my foot back out at my house. And it's because I pursue it so hard that I expect perfection out of it. <laughs> and it's not perfect. It's not. And so it was difficult, and it was a difficult week. And it was about midway through the week that I started preaching this sermon to me. Like, why are you not satisfied? What is it exactly that you're looking for? You're so blessed, beautiful wife, beautiful kids, very successful, have multiple businesses. The wife is a drug dealer who, good Lord, does amazing work. She usually likes the drug dealer part. That, that makes her happy. I mean, why are you not satisfied? And so then I started really meditating and thinking on what makes us satisfied. You can't win enough. You can't learn enough. You can't read enough. You can't make enough. You can't spend enough. It's really God. <clears throat> Turn with me to Psalms. Sorry, I took the drink at the wrong place. 17, <clears throat> 15. Psalm 17, 15. And it says, As for me, I will be vindicated, and I will see your face when I awake, and I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. I will be, the, the other translation says that I will be satisfied looking upon God. I will be satisfied. Now, it's hard to be satisfied when you're hungry or satisfied when you're thirsty, right? But Jesus said that I am the bread of life and I'm the living water, right? So if you're hungry, I got you. And if you're thirsty, I got you. We are to be satisfied with his likeness. When we have to come down and do that introspective look into who we are as a person, right? I mean, you can start rattling off of who you are, like what you do for a living and where you went to school, and none of that makes you who you are. As soon as you get to the idea that I'm a child of the living God, the list really should end there. It should start there and end there. Well, who are you? I am a child of the living God. Nothing else I do seems to matter at all. Without God, it is impossible to be satisfied. People chase it constantly. But with God, 
We get so comfortable with being satisfied that it's hard to understand what we actually have. <clears throat> Let me open my little book here. Um, let's turn to Matthew. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and, and um, he, he just got finished saying, blessed are all those folks, right? And blessed are these folks, and the pure of heart, and the merciful, and all of those. So Matthew 5, and we're going to start with verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Y'all ever feel blessed when you're being persecuted and insulted and attacked and bombarded? That's, that's a tough time to feel blessed. That's like the hardest time to feel blessed is when people are being mean to you and insulting you and, and, and talking bad about you. That's got to be like the toughest time ever to be, feel like you're blessed. Yet, I mean, Jesus says pretty specifically, hey, look, look. I need you to be blessed. And in verse 12, he says, to rejoice and be glad. That means to celebrate it. Y'all ever celebrate when people are mean to you? That's tough. I try not to remember when people are mean to me, but I, I have a hard time. I struggle with rejoicing and being glad. But if we're going to be satisfied in God, we have to understand that it's not all flowers and sparkles and rainbows and unicorns it's, it, it's not everything's not i mean jesus said that the thief comes to kill to steal and to destroy they're like he is a, like a hungry lion looking for them to devour he is on, a, on the attack and yet i'll be satisfied in what god has given me regardless of what's taking place around me Regardless of what people say about me, regardless of what anybody does, I'll be satisfied in my sonship of the creator of the universe. And this is tough, right? And then, it, you know, I go back to that. There's a fine line between being satisfied and complacent, right? There's a difference. So this old guy tells a story about he, he bought this bird dog, and this was an unbelievable bird dog. The bird dog was just amazing, and he spent lots and lots of money on it. And he had hunted with it with the trainer a couple of times, and he had finally, on his first trip, he was going to hunt the bird dog without the trainer. And I think they were hunting pheasants, but they get out, and um, he takes the dog, and, and the dog lays up underneath the trailer, and the dog wallows around on the ground, and the dog won't listen, and the dog won't hunt, and the dog spreads out in the sunshine and is taking a nap. And he's just so upset that the dog wouldn't do what he did when the trainer was there. So he, he's pretty mad. He calls the trainer on the phone and says, hey, look, I don't know what's going on. I, I, I don't understand what's taking place. This dog was amazing, and now he does nothing. And the guy said, man, I don't understand. Did you do anything different? And he said, I don't, I don't think so. He said, you didn't feed him before you went hunting, did you? 
And the guy said, yeah, I fed him. You can't satisfy him before he create, completes his task. You can't feed him before it's time to hunt. Nobody hunts when they're not hungry. That's being complacent, right? You're very complacent when we're well fed. But being satisfied in God, we should press. We know that we are satisfied, but press to be better Christians. There's a fine line between being satisfied and complacent. Sometimes when we are well fed, we get complacent. You know, like Thanksgiving afternoon at about 2 o'clock. You're probably pretty complacent with, you know, half a pound of dressing and gravy and turkey and whatever else y'all eat. I can't get past the turkey and dressing and gravy. But even though we're satisfied in what God's done for us, we have to press to be better Christians and to be better examples into the world. And then we get into this next one. Man, if y'all can beat this next one, I want you to come up here and tell me how you did it after church, okay? Uh, turn with me to Philippians. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. And do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars of the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Do it without grumbling. You know if you're satisfied, most of the time you don't grumble. Right? I mean, if you, if you got what you want and you, 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 you feel pretty grateful and you're satisfied, you don't grumble and argue. That's kind of those, you, you know them by their fruit. So biblically, if you're uh, grumbling and arguing, uh, you probably aren't where you're supposed to be, huh? No matter what the situation is, he doesn't say do everything without grumbling or arguing uh, when things are going good. You know, it's really easy, right? I mean, y'all ever, I know we go back to ball a lot, but y'all ever seen a team and everybody gets together and everybody's wonderful and everybody's bestest of friends and they win a bunch and everybody's friends? You ever seen that same team lose? They ain't so much your friends anymore, right? Everybody wants to talk about everybody else. That, that's, the, that's the tough part, right? When everything's going easy and right and, and in your favor, it's easy to live with verse 14 that says that there's, do everything without grumbling, without arguing, without complaining. But if we're satisfied in who we are in Christ and we understand it, that my steps are ordered by God, then and he put me here to be who I'm supposed to be, and I'm satisfied that he will never leave me and he will never forsake me, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do according to his word, then why exactly am I complaining and about what? Like I said, you now don't, don't think that I live, verse 14, holy and blameless, because that's not true. 14, really, then this whole sermon, that's really the hardest thing for me right there is to do it without grumbling and not complaining. I think this is really why they say study to be quiet. Because it's really hard to grumble and complain and to be negative if you're not talking, right? If you don't move your lips at all, it's really difficult. But if we're satisfied in who we are in Christ, it should be impossible 
for us, impossible for us to grumble and complain. If we trust and have faith in the Most High God that He is leading and guiding us in His path of righteousness to do exactly what He called us to do, what are we complaining about? It's too hot, it's too cold, it's too wet, it's too dry. I mean, I don't know. Something y'all can't complain, I mean, can't control. Most of the time we complain about things that we can't control. And then other times we complain about things that we should have done better. Or we could have, should have, maybe, possibly, would have done. But if we really put our faith in God and we really understand who He is, and the Bible says that we understand that He is, and that He rewards those who diligently seek Him, then what do you have to complain about? What do you have to be upset about? And why are you not satisfied? Well, I thought I would be married by now, or I thought I, my kids would behave better, or I thought my house would be nicer, or I should have a better job, or I should make more money, or you see those people, you believe what they have, I should have what they have. You have no idea what they have. It is the enemy who tries to create some kind of feeling of inadequacy in what you have versus what other people have. Understand that two-thirds of the New Testament were written while Paul, by Paul, and half of those were written while he was chained to the wall in a cell he couldn't stand up in. Love and grace and passion and kindness, all of these things are written in the most horrible conditions imaginable. You don't live in those. Be satisfied. Be satisfied knowing that we serve the creator of the universe. Be satisfied that we are saved and our name is written in the Lamb's book of life and there ain't nothing nobody can do about it. Be satisfied that we win. You know, that's always the thing, right? That we win or lose. We win. I read all the way to the back of the book. I cheated. I'm not real good. You know, if you, <clears throat> if you watch a movie with Savannah, it, it's, it's tough to watch a movie with Savannah because she would cheat quick, fast, and in a hurry and read the review and know what's going to happen before we watch the movie because she can't stand knowing, not knowing what's going on. Really, what she would rather do is read the book about the movie and then sit there and go, hmm, that ain't what the book did. You know, one of those people. I did the same thing. I read the back of the book. I want to know, do we win or do we lose? We win. So if we win, why are we unsatisfied? What, what rules are we comparing them to? We win. <clears throat> uh, turn with me to Colossians. Uh, chapter 3 and verse 15. Colossians 3.15 Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful, and let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all the wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. 
<clears throat> and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, in the, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Peace. Peace. You know, when you're satisfied in this, peace is pretty easy. It's really hard to be peaceful when you feel like things are going wrong or you feel like you're being mistreated or you feel like somebody's got the better of you or you feel like somebody's doing you dirty, right? It's, it's hard to have peace, right? It's, it is hard to have peace. But, but, if you, but if you really are truly satisfied in who God is and, and who you are in him, then that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, those things right there, faithfulness and self-control, I think there's nine. Anyway, those things should be beaming out of us. Right? The fruit of the Spirit should show up and shine that when we are who we are in Christ and we are satisfied with who He says I am, with His promises and what I know and what I believe to be true, that I have been redeemed, that I have been set free, that I am a child of the Most High God. Being satisfied in those situations is invaluable. Because what happens is, is when you're satisfied and you're not grumbling and you're rejoiceful and you're not complaining and you're not looking for the next best thing and you're not <clears throat> trying to do something crazy to fulfill this need, when you're grateful, when you come and worship, man, you turn into such a good example you, you, you turn into such a wonderful Christian. You turn into an ambassador of Christ. We talked about that the other day. You turn into exactly who God called you to be. You can have all of those things in your power, and you can know all of the things that God said about you, and you can understand what his word says, but if you refuse to be satisfied, you can look like you are just as stressed, impressed, and beat down, and in a struggle as everybody else. Then you don't have a very good witness. If you're just as frazzled as they are, why do they want to know what you know? Well, if you've got to go waste a couple hours on Sunday morning and give those people money, and you're still going to be just as stressed and upset as we are, what exactly are you gaining? That's the one that, eh, that's the one that hits you hard right there. So do it without grumbling. Do it without backbiting. Do it without complaining. <laughs> just, 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 y'all know me, right? Just for a week, just for a week. Just for a week, just try, test run, dip the toe in the water, just for a week. No grumbling, no complaining. I don't care. I don't care if the truck tire's flat and the battery's dead and you don't got no gas in it and it won't crank. I don't care. Whatever happens, it's too hot, it's too cold, food was good, the food was bad, I ate too much, I didn't eat enough, I didn't drink enough water. I don't care what it is for a week. No complaining. None. Be satisfied. Just see. Just see if it doesn't affect how you live. Just see if it doesn't affect who you are. To be satisfied in Him. He said God is the only thing that can satisfy us. For just a week. Just, just, 
Can you do it for a whole week? I mean, I ain't asking you to like quit with your telephone or not watch the TV or don't eat any sugar. I mean, all of those things would probably be healthy for you as well. But just for a week, zip your lip. The Bambi rule. If you can't say it's nothing nice, don't say it's nothing at all. It's the only part of Bambi that's even worth watching. The rest of it's pure garbage. Anyway, for a week, one week, no complaining. Be satisfied. Be grateful in who God made you to be. You ever notice there's not a lot of folks running around that look, walk, talk, act just like you? Why is that? Because it would be awful boring if we all looked the same. Right? Be satisfied. And know that we worship the creator of the universe. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we pray that it will go forth and it will not return void. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this opportunity to spread your gospel. Father, help us understand what it means to be satisfied in you, Father, and to be the example that you want us to be. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.